you there, say amen. This I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Amen. Talk about God's word tonight. We're talking about believing, believing God's word. Amen. Lesson seven. Lesson seven. We only have one or two lessons left. Amen. I have a ton of notes, and so I. I know where I'm at on my notes, and we're, we're almost done. Amen. In Jesus' wonderful name. Thank you for your word tonight, Lord. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. Hallelujah. God has shown us the way home, and uh, we are so thankful for it, God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone say amen. Amen. God is good. I was thinking about something that I said Sunday morning about uh, about different ways we could outreach, do outreach, and one of the ways I had mentioned is if we had like a, a nice little card, you know, that had our church information on the front and on the back, uh, something about just want to help you or bless you, you know, and uh, show you God's love, and, and, you know, if you have a neighbor who needs uh, some food, got buy some groceries and put the card in the grocery bag or something like that. And I was thinking, because we are a church of the book of Acts, maybe maybe the back of the card could say something like uh, acts of kindness with the acts, with, you know, the word acts in parentheses or something. But, but um, there's so many ways we could reach out to our community. Amen. Amen. It is... It is necessary. Has anyone ever heard of Victor Frankl? Um, he, uh, he wrote a book. Boy, I just cannot remember the title of it. It's like a, The Meaning of Life or The Purpose of Life. Um, but he was a survivor of the Holocaust. And he talks about the, nece- the necessity of, of believing something. Believing something. Um, I'll never forget. His wife died. In the, in the concentration camp. She was in a different camp than he was. So he didn't know whether she was dead or alive. And so he, uh, he chose to believe she was alive. He chose to believe it, knowing that there's a good chance she wasn't. But uh, he said that it helped him get through because he would think about, well, when we get out, I'll find her and we'll will comfort each other and we'll be with each other. And he, even though he knew that it may not be true, he allowed himself to believe that it might be true. Uh, he said, I had to believe in something. So I believed in that. Um, he said, written on the walls of the concentration camp 
by some of the Jewish prisoners were these words. I believe in the sun, even when it is not shining. I believe in love, even when I cannot feel it. And I believe in God, even though he is silent. For the Jews, belief in something greater than what they were experiencing was a necessity for their survival. If they didn't believe in something, they gave up. They gave up. And he talks a lot about that, a lot of uh, trying to encourage. He said you could tell when, when the men would give up. You could tell. They'd stop eating. They, would, um, they wouldn't turn over in the middle of the night, you know, because you would have to turn over in your cots so everyone would be comfortable and stuff. He said you could tell when somebody was giving up, and so then the other people would give up their bread so to get some nourishment in their body and stuff like that. Really interesting book. Uh, Boy, I tell you, if you ever think you're going through something, uh, just read a book from a Holocaust survivor, and <laughs> you'll understand that we really aren't going through anything compared to what they went through. John 6 and 68 says, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And So the word of God contains this message of eternal life, of, of uh, salvation, and it is imperative that we accept it, that we receive it, you know, that we believe it. I mean, we've got to believe that God robed himself in flesh. We've got to believe the cross happened, that he died, that he defeated death, defeated hell, defeated the grave. Amen. That he ascended, that he filled us with his spirit, that our sins were washed away, amen, and that uh, we have the down payment of eternal life living in us, amen, the hope of glory. It's imperative that we believe all of this, right? So Peter goes to Cornelius' household and he preaches, and uh People there were there in Acts chapter 10. They received the word. They were filled with the Holy Ghost, right? The evidence of speaking in other tongues. They, the Bible records that they were water baptized in Jesus' name. Their sins, to remit their sins. And the Bible says this, And the apostles and the, the brethren, and the brethren that were in Judea, heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. You see, they, they considered everything about salvation as being the Word of God. I mean, when you were filled with the Holy Ghost, it's because somebody shared the Word of God with you, right? Let me tell you what God's Word says about the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what God's Word says about baptism, about living for God. Amen. And so we receive the Word of God, and we've got to understand it. It's important. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 is reading the Word of God when Philip comes up to him. He doesn't understand it. Philip, help me to understand it. Philip explains the Scripture to him. This is Jesus. The eunuch uh, believes it. He confesses. Here's water. What doth hinder us now to be baptized? And he receives this joyous experience. Amen. How many times, uh, I think about my own life, how many times uh, did I read the book of Acts? Did I read Colossians? Um, 
that I read through the Old and New Testament, I didn't understand the oneness of God. It was there. Jesus' name, baptism, is there. Uh, but, but I needed to have somebody just, just open my eyes to a different way of thinking than I had been taught to think my entire life. Um, I think about um, confession. Confession. Uh, that there, there are some religious organizations that believe you can go to a priest and you can confess your sins to a priest. And the priest has the power to forgive you your sins. And, uh, uh, and I was thinking about where... Where did this doctrine come from? And, and it came from, you know, when Jesus told Peter, Peter, you hold the keys to, you know, uh, you have the keys. You know, whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever is bound on earth is bound. You know. Uh, and, and so there is this concept that, that whatever Peter and any descendant of Peter uh, uh, would, which would be a priestly descendant, would have the power to forgive somebody of their sins if they are confessed. It's 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 you know it's a pleasant concept, I guess, but it's it's stretching the word. It's it's stretching it, right? And that's one of the things we've got to do as Christians is make sure we don't stretch it. <laughs> make sure we just take it as it is. Amen. Just take it as it is. Ethiopian eunuch, the word was shared with him. Oh, here's water. What doth hinder us? Um, in other words, um, well, uh, do I have to be baptized? Uh, should I wait until you get 10 people before we're baptized? Should we have a baptismal party? You know, I took the plunge t-shirts. You know, some churches do that. You know, I took the plunge. and They'll wait till they have 100 people, and then they'll baptize them all at once, and they'll have a big baptism party. Um, Kind of stretching the word. I mean, the word is pretty plain. Here's some water. What does hinder us? Let's be baptized. Right? Repent and be baptized. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank God somebody didn't say to me, uh, 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 John, wait until 10 more people are seeking the Holy Ghost before you get it. You know, Because we want to just have a Holy Ghost party. Well, I, I'm, I'm about to leave to go back to Pennsylvania and go to college. I need it now. <laughs> I need to be baptized Right now, I mean, they were turning off the lights in the church by the time I got it. But, but I knew if I walked out of that building that night, I'd have never gotten it. I knew it. I, I had to get it right then, right there, because I was leaving. And uh, I thank, thank God somebody didn't say to me, ah, it's not that big a deal. You know, if you ever have a chance again, somewhere down the line, uh, uh, ask for it. No, I'm glad somebody said, man, get it. Get it. Amen. Praise God. Somebody shared the word with me. We've got to believe it. We've got to have faith in it. The Israelites were in the wilderness 40 years. And they weren't in the wilderness 40 years because they had not heard from God. They weren't sitting there waiting to hear from God. They heard from God. But they didn't believe what they heard. Go, you know, that land is flowing with milk and honey. Oh, man, there's giants in the land. We're, we, look, we feel like we're grasshoppers in our own sight compared to them. God didn't say anything about that. God said, it's your land. Take it, it's yours. So they heard from God, but they didn't believe God. 
They didn't believe his word. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So you can have the preached word all day long, but if you don't have faith in what's being preached, if you don't have faith in what you're hearing, Israel heard from God, but they didn't have faith in what God was saying. It's, it's key. Uh, we've got to believe what God's Word says. We can't think of it as a fable. Uh, and it is the way to worship. It is the way to salvation. It's the way to victory. It starts with belief. Believe His prophets, Second Chronicles says. Believe His prophets and you shall prosper. Anyone here praying for a miracle? You, you, you are not going to be praying for a miracle if you don't believe God can't perform it. You'll be wasting your time if you said, well, why are you praying for a miracle? Well, it's because it's what I'm supposed to do. Well, do you believe he's going to perform the miracle? Oh, no, not really. You are wasting your time. You've got to believe it. Amen. In church, are there times that God says no? Absolutely. One of the most powerful messages I ever heard, I think it was Brother, brother uh, 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 Benoit's uh, dad. When he came through, Spears came through Austin one time, and he preached when God says no. He's talking about a boy in Africa somewhere who had gotten the Holy Ghost. His dad didn't believe in God at all, and, uh, and his dad heard this boy praying every night around Christmas time, Dear God, please give me a bike for Christmas. Give me a bike. And so that father made sure that boy didn't get a bike, made sure he didn't get one. If, uh, if an aunt or uncle said, I'm thinking about buying little Jimmy a bike, no, you're not. He, no matter what, he is not getting a bike because I have to prove to him that God isn't real, that God isn't hearing his prayers, that Christmas came, no bike under the Christmas tree, you know, per se, and, and that boy just kept playing, was just so happy, so thankful, prayer at the dinner, thank you, God, you've been so good to me, and I'm so thankful, and that father came unglued. Are you kidding me? All you've been doing is praying for a bike. That's all you've been praying for, and you didn't get one. Your God's not real. And that, that little boy, in all his wisdom, said, no, God's real. He just said no. <laughs> he just said no. What, what a powerful Message. I'd heard that. I heard that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and uh, still I think about that every once in a while. God does say no. Does all the time, right? It sure does seem that way sometimes. But even in His silence, even when He says no, I love Him. I love Him. He's good. If if He's never good to me again, He's been so good. Hallelujah. If he never says yes again, he has said yes so many times. It's enough to get me through the rest of my life. My God is good. I love him. He's, he's, he's worthy. But, but if I'm going to pray that we sell this church and buy a great piece of property somewhere in a nice city neighborhood, I've got to believe that God can open that door. Because if I don't believe he can open it, I'm wasting my time praying it. If, if I, I've got to pray that God touches any future Bible studies that we have, that God blesses our marriages in this church, that God blesses our friendships and our relationships. Because if I don't believe that he can, why would I be praying it? It does start with belief. Israel heard from God, but they didn't believe God. 
And so nothing happened. They spent 40 years in the wilderness because they didn't believe in him. Again, church, I've said it three times tonight. It's not about not hearing from God. It's about believing God. It's about believing his word. It's why we worship, because we believe him. It's why we have salvation. It's why we have victory, because we believe. Romans 1 and 16 tells us, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone what? that believes. Amen. Church, we believe in his death. We believe in his burial. We believe in his resurrection. We believe in these things, and we obey the gospel by dying to our sins, by being buried in baptism, by resurrecting through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's believing. Webster says belief is a state of habit of mind in which there is trust and confidence in some person or thing. Uh, some definition, faith, says it's an allegiance, a duty to a person. Uh, Trust and loyalty. The Amplified Version says to adhere to, to trust, to have faith in. I'm, I'm reading these because I want to tell you a story how you can tell the difference. Uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary says uh, that belief is to be persuaded, to place confidence in, to trust, to rely upon, to accept, to have for. But there is a difference between allegiance and loyalty and mere acceptance. I mean, you can accept something is true, but it's different than having an allegiance toward that and having a loyalty toward it. During World War II, I mean, all we have, we hear the good stories. <clears throat> In boot camp, these men, these Americans, they accepted the fact that they were going to go overseas and they were going to fight for the ideals of their country on foreign land. However, when they got there, and when they got into the midst of battle, church, it wasn't uncommon for these same men who did so well in boot camp at Fort Dix and, and Sam Houston, you know, it wasn't uncommon for these very same men to go AWOL, to have self-inflicted wounds, to refuse to pull the trigger when they were confronted with a situation where there was no other option. These same men committed suicide on foreign soil. Why? Because their belief was a credence. It wasn't, it wasn't an allegiance. You see, it's different when you have an allegiance. Uh, you can be captured, you can be tortured, and you don't budge because you have an allegiance. It's different than just saying, I believe. Amen. Their trust is in their country, even when they can't see their country. Our trust is in God, even when he is silent. Even when he says no, amen, we, we have this loyalty, we have this faith. It's more than just believing. Amen. In church, we have to have this if we're going to live eternally with God. 
We have got to believe that he has the power to get us to the other side. Hallelujah. To keep us, to preserve us, to anoint us, to just absolutely cover us with ability. That's loyalty, that's faith, that's, that, that's, that's belief. But it's more than just saying, I believe. Amen. We're talking about God's Word. And there's a difference between everyday faith and saving faith. They're not the same. We, we have different degrees of knowledge and mental understanding that help us to have everyday faith in certain things. You have co-workers that you know if you email them and say, I need help on this. You know from past experiences that they're going to answer your email and they're going to help you. That's day-to-day faith. But there's, it's different saving faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. You, you, you can have a doctor who's a podiatrist and an ophthalmologist. So, uh, so you go to the, you go to the uh, optim, ophthalmologist. And they say, how do you feel? And you say, oh, you know, I've been working all day. And man, they start to hurt in the afternoon. I mean, they really start to hurt. And the ophthalmologist says, well, let's take a look. And so you take your shoes and socks off. And they say, what are you doing? Well, I'm having a problem with my feet. You said you want to take a look. Oh, I'm not a podiatrist. I'm an ophthalmologist. And you say, well, you're a doctor, aren't you? You're a doctor? That's just day-to-day faith. I, I believe in doctors. I believe a doctor can help me. It doesn't matter what kind of doctor. Saving faith requires us to understand. It's not that we have to understand everything about God. Church, you can be saved without understanding the oneness of God. You can. You can be saved without understanding everything that has to do with Jesus' name baptism. Because it's the power of the baptism. It's the power of the name. That's why Paul said, I am not called to baptize. You know that scripture? I'm not called to baptize. You shouldn't get confused over that. Amen. Anyone can baptize somebody. I'm telling you, if you call me tonight and you said, I'm standing, on a, uh, I'm standing outside Walmart and we got a water tank and I've been witnessing somebody and they want to be baptized in Jesus' name, Pastor, you're going to need to come down. I'm probably going to tell you, go ahead and baptize them. Baptize them. We're, we're not called to baptize. Amen. Paul said, I'm called to preach. Not everyone can preach, right? But anyone can baptize and, and the reason for that is because it's about Jesus when it comes to baptism. It's about his name. You, you don't have to understand all the ins and outs of Jesus' name, baptism. Repent of your sins, go down in water, have his name proclaimed, and your sins are washed away. Hallelujah. Anyone can do it. Because it's about him. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see, church, saving faith is the same way. We don't have to understand everything about God in life, but we do need to realize a couple things. We need to realize we need to be saved, that we need some kind of regeneration of our spirit because we're in a sinful state. And we need to realize Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the only way. No one else can save us. 
pathway. That's it. And we need, secondly, to have this faith, this mental acceptance, this mental acceptance. So you go to a car dealership. You're looking at a car. You find one. Who knows what it is? A brand new 20, 2019 uh, uh, Ford Mustang. You love it. And that dealer tells you, I got a deal for you on this. And that, that your salesman sells you that Mustang. I don't know how much they cost, $40,000, $30,000. I don't have a clue. Let's say it's $30,000. And you are, you know, you're excited. I got a brand new Mustang. Maybe it's a Corvette, whatever. And so you, you drive off the lot. You're excited. You've paid $30,000. And, uh, and you go, you know, you go to the store, and in, in the parking lot, you run into your, your buddy, and, and your buddy has the same car you got. And you say, you got the same Mustang I got, same Corvette I got. Man, I got a deal on it. I, I talked that salesperson down, and I only paid 30000 for it. And, then, you know, your buddy, <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I'm not trying to make you mad or anything, but I only paid 20000 for mine. And, uh, and it has, you know, the backup camera. It has the automatic steering wheel turner thing, whatever they call it in today's car. You know, it has, you know, the, the little lights shine on the mirrors when somebody's passing you. It has everything, and yours doesn't, and you're going, oh. And what do you say the next time you drive by that dealership? Never again. I'm never buying a car from that place again. They ripped me off. They ripped me off. Why? Because the information they gave me wasn't true. They lied to me. It was wrong. I don't trust them. You see, with salvation, with God's word, we have information. And so we have to decide, is it true? Is the information we're getting true? I just used a silly illustration with a car dealership. I would assume uh, that we all know that you, 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 you most likely there's something that they may not be telling you the complete truth on. Most likely. You never know. But with God's word, church, you can trust it. It's all true. Every part of it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's all true. And I was, I was thinking about this. Uh, uh, is there anyone, any situation in my life that I just completely trust? It's almost a blind trust. I think it drives my wife nuts at times. I trust Caprils. I trust Caprils. They are my mechanic. I trust them. There are times it takes them a little longer to get things done. There are times that maybe they don't get it right the first time, but, but, they, I don't think they have ever lied to me, ever. I don't think they have ever tried to pull one over on me. I just don't. And so I trust them. And you all know what I'm talking about. When it comes to a car mechanic, it's hard to find one you trust. Because you're always wondering, as they're fixing my starter, are they hitting my air conditioner compressor? You know what I mean? What are they doing to make sure I have to come back in two weeks? That's just what, you know, that's kind of what goes through my mind. Uh, uh, church, 
God's word, it's his word, we can trust it. It's going to get us home. It's going to get us to wherever we need. If God's word says it, it's true. It's true. It's true. With Christ, we learn about him through his word. We learn everything about his word. We can accept it as true. I was reading uh, um, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 21. It says the foundations of heaven, the 12 foundations have the names of the apostles in the foundations. I was thinking that is God's word. I mean, even heaven is built on God's word. Hallelujah. Because those apostles knew they were going to die. We're going to die. We better write this down. And God promised them, I'll anoint you. What you, what you write is going to be anointed by the Holy Ghost. Write it down. Because there's going to be a church in Corning in 2,000 years that's going to love your word. And they're going to need to read it. Write it down. Hallelujah. Church, we can prove it. Bring your tithes, Malachi says. Bring your tithes to the storehouse that they may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Prove all things, Paul said to the Thessalonians. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Church, you can be certain God's word is true. And you can test it. Test it. The, the Bible tells us to. Prove my word. Prove it. Right? Prove me now herewith, the Lord says in Malachi. Prove me. And see if I will not open the very windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Investigate it. If we believe God's word, We've got to believe in God's communication. That means we believe in his communicating. Church, it's important to communicate in a marriage, isn't it? I mean, if you're in a marriage and you don't talk once in a while, it's not going to last long. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be rocky roads. If you're at work, if you aren't communicating with your coworkers, there could be trouble. Got to communicate. Amen. I know in the past I've had co-workers that I even had I had a, a co-worker that uh, uh, I told there was an issue going on and this is this is the God's honest truth it was just the strangest thing I don't remember the situation and my boss said what what are we going to do and I said email them back email them back and tell them tell them exactly what they need to do to fix the situation uh, because this coworker that we had had the reputation with our department of if they were given any kind of situation that made them really have to work hard, they would just ignore the email. <laughs> and so I said, do this. Email them and tell them what they need to do, and they won't answer the email, and then you can just do what needs to be done. I know it's kind of... Y'all know what I'm saying. Y'all understand what I'm saying. Couldn't trust her. Couldn't trust her. Or him. But church, you know that there's opposite people. That you know if you need something done, all you've got to do is send that email. And, and it's going to get done. 
Same way with God. God communicates with us. Amen. He's talking to us. He's helping us. Amen. He's, he's waking us up in the morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need to communicate. God believes in communication. He says, live peaceably with all men as, as much as lies with you. Amen. So that's about communicating. How, how can you live peaceably with somebody if you're not communicating with them? Right? Communication helps somebody who's hurt, helps somebody who, who uh, is seeking a deeper walk. You communicate with somebody whose heart is broken, it helps them. God's communicating with us. Amen. Church, it is everything we need. And I'm closing so Sister Bagby could come up and we could all stand. Church, everything you need is right here. Every question that you have is in His Word. His Word tells us how to treat one another. His Word tells us how to live day to day. His Word tells you as a husband how to treat your wife. His Word tells you as a wife uh, how to treat your husband. His Word tells us how to treat one another. Tells us how to work. Tells us how to play. His Word tells us uh, how to live for Him. His Word tells us never to forsake the assembling. I mean, His Word tells us everything that we need about life. How to be a proper parent. How to be a proper child. Uh, his Word tells us everything. His, his Word tells you how to worship. His Word tells you, amen, how to handle your finances. His Word tells you everything, church. It will get us home. It'll get us home. The very foundations of heaven, the very foundations of heaven are built on His Word. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord, for this unfortunate, Failable word. It stands alone. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is directly breathed by God. It's trustworthy. It's trustworthy. You ever gotten a resume and you read it and you're going, there's no way this person does all this. There's no way. So you interview them, and about five minutes in, you're going, yep, they're lying. His resume's not right. Church, God's word, if you could take it as his resume, it's true. His word's true. If he said it, he'll do it. If he said it, he'll do it. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word tonight, Lord. I love it. I love it, Lord. In His presence, there's fullness of joy.